listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey, it's Seth and I here today, and we're actually going to talk about what we have learned from our mentors. We understand that mentoring is a huge part of our culture. In fact, it's something that young adults and Gen Z millennials really pride themselves in, is their ability to learn and grow from mentors. Over the years, Seth, we've had a lot of mentors, people who've invested in us, poured into us, and uh, we just want to take a moment to share some of those things that we've learned from our mentors to encourage you to continue seeking advice, wisdom, and guidance from your mentor. Let me, let me start with ask you, actually asking this, Ryan. Like, have, have you ever had a time in your life where you haven't had a mentor? I think there are seasons in my life where there's not someone investing in me as much, but there are always people around me that I'm learning from, gleaning from, mm-hmm. growing from. Old guys that I sit and do podcasts with that I just pick up mm. nuggets of truth from. Yeah. So. Okay, so what are the qualifications for a mentor? I mean, do they have to be 5, 10, 15 years older or? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think so. I think, I think, I mean, a mentor can be someone whose book you're reading. I mean, you can learn and glean information from people, but um, when I haven't had someone that I sat down and asked questions of in my life, I was I felt like I was missing something. So I, I would say that there there's sometimes is a difference between mentorship and being a mentor or being a mentee of a mentor. But um, you know, when when I was missing that relationship with someone to like for instance, uh, for a couple years in college, I didn't have any professors during my early undergraduate work because because it was just your general ed professors, you know, and yep. there was nobody that I could sit back and say, man, that guy is, is is investing in my life regularly. Yeah, and sometimes it's more formal, and sometimes it's a lot less formal. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes you meet with somebody once a month, and yeah. sometimes it's, oh, just as we hang out, then I'm learning and growing from this individual. Yeah, I think the formality of mentorship doesn't have to exist. It doesn't have to be yeah. formal, but it does have to be relational, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So so what are some nuggets that you've yeah. learned from mentors? That's kind of what we've spent the last I know. couple of minutes thinking about, talking yeah. about. And so we just want to share some of those things with you. Yeah. I can remember one of the first opportunities I had to really start looking at jobs, looking for jobs. I got this piece of advice from a mentor. Uh, we can talk about if it's valid or not. He said, Ryan, God is everywhere. Go where the money is. I've heard it many times myself. Uh, I have never found the money, but, um, <laughs> but I, I've heard it and you know, the validity of it, um, I'm constantly challenged with, uh, where does God call people? Does yeah. he call people to a specific place and location or does he call people to a specific job? Mm. And, and so sometimes I wonder, you know, but ultimately what I do know is I am way too stupid to really mess up God's plans. Wow. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> I, I think w- when I really ponder that, um, it's true. God is everywhere and he's at work all around us. But uh, Henry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing yeah. God, says, man, find where God's at work and get in on it. Yeah. And so I think that's the principle I've always tried to apply is, hey, God, where are you working? And I, I want to be right there regardless of what the money looks like. Of course, being responsible you can go back and listen to the episode with Bobby Thomas talking about some of that responsibility yeah. that we have financially and to be good stewards. Um, the next thing that I can think of, I, I was in college, and I was just at a point in my life where I was serving in a lot of ways. I, I was growing as a leader, 
And my BCM campus minister actually said to me this. He said, Ryan, you can only do so much in your own power. Hmm. I think he looked at me and he realized that, hey, I had all kinds of opportunities to lead. I was growing in that. But the reality is I was being really tempted and, in fact, making a pattern out of just leading and not really growing myself spiritually, hmm. not, not letting the Lord fill me so that then I could invest and pour into others. Yeah, and so on those lines, man, like what you can do under your own power – I think sometimes you can do um, you can do the right thing and what even God has called you to do, but to do it with the wrong heart, and and it it is worthless on your own account. Okay, yeah. so yeah. let me let me give some light to that. Like it, it'd be like um, my first few years in ministry, we saw God do some incredible things. Like we saw some people get saved, we saw people trust in Jesus, we saw people grow in their faith, but ultimately. Um, is that good for that person? Absolutely. That kid knows Jesus or that teenager knows Jesus. But for me, I did it a lot out of pride early on. And mm. and so I don't believe that when I stand before God, that's going to be something that I've gained anything from because my reward was in on earth rather than in heaven. And so does that maybe that fits, well, maybe it doesn't. Well, maybe, but, I, but I think the thought that I think we have to acknowledge there are things that we can do in our own power. That, yeah. that we can take ourselves so far. Yeah. But something that we have to pray specifically and rely specifically on the Lord for is His anointing in our lives. God, we want something supernatural, something that exists only outside yeah. of our power mm-hmm. to be a part of the makeup of our lives, the the patterns of our lives, the ministries that we're a part of, that we lead, uh, our jobs, our families, mm-hmm. uh, our relationships, all of those kind of things. So you can only go so far in your own power is one of those things that has really just been a, a spiritual truth that has guided me, that has led me really all throughout my life. So um, I, I've gained probably the most wisdom from my father, uh, Steve Tucker. And uh, my dad, uh, he, he does a lot with marriages and, and he has a ministry that talks about marriage and family. And uh, one of the, the biggest things that he ever taught me is probably something that actually taught him. And it's that relationships last, stuff doesn't. Mm. And here's how I taught that to my own dad before I knew I was teaching it to my dad. Uh, We had this beautiful, immaculate front yard, okay? I mean, it was like gorgeous grass, and uh, and my dad would, when when I was young, he would let me mow the backyard, but I was never allowed to mow the front yard. And in fact, we couldn't even play in the front yard (laughs) because the front yard was for people to look at. Not for playing it. Oh, so he cut it diagonally yeah, with oh, the zigzags, oh. all the great patterns. All the great patterns, like, you know, the octagon pattern. Yep. I don't know. But um, my, yeah, yeah, I've never yeah. seen the octagon pattern, but that'd be pretty fly. That'd be pretty fly. But uh, I one day, I was probably like 10, and I just looked at my dad one time and I said, hey, are you raising sons or are you raising grass? <laughs> and I, listen. <laughs> How bold for you as a 10-year-old to say that? Because I knew if I would say that to my parents, (laughs) I'd get beat. Yeah. Well, I don't remember what happened after that. I may have been beaten. But after that, my dad was a different dude. Like, I I really saw this, like, dramatic change. And there may have been other things going on in his life at the time that I don't know about as a young kid. Yeah. But I know that after that, my dad changed. And he, from that point on, he always taught me that relationships last. People matter more than stuff. And, uh, and so that, that's something that's always stuck with me. Um, people last or relationships last, but stuff doesn't. So you're saying that my dad, because every day when I would get out of the truck as a kid, I would go and pee on the same tree in the yard. 
Now that pea, that, that tree wound up dying about yeah. a year into it. That's right. And so you're saying my dad was wrong to get mad at me over that. Maybe. I don't know. Zacchaeus well, okay. did the same thing. Are you raising kids or are you raising grass? Yes, Zacchaeus. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that's sycamore tree lesson. is sick because he was a wee little man. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> another thing that I can remember just being built into my life as uh, is really a, a, a young adult. So this is probably from age 18 to 22. I was in college, and there's a pastor that God had brought into my life that, man, it's like it was his mantra, the thing that he always said. And it's a well-known statement, but it never really registered until that season where I got to see this man live it out. He would time and time again repeat, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And he had learned that through his own experience, that you can sit and lecture people all day long, try to coach people all day long, but until a person knows that you care for them meaningfully in a one-on-one -on -one relationship type of way, they, they don't care how much you know mm -hmm. until they know that you intimately and deeply care for them. Uh, and I find that working with people myself, that even if, Seth, you and I have all the knowledge in the world, people don't care until we have a relationship with them, until we have some capacity to speak it into their lives. Especially in the world that we live in today, uh, where intelligence doesn't matter as much as, as kind of emotion or a relationship you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah like um you know what we've done for someone means far more than what we have done yeah and uh man that's that's good lesson along with that though I mean one one other thing that I I've always grown up hearing from from my mom and my dad um is is here's what relationships are all about yeah it's about knowing someone else like really knowing them mm. and being known and so it takes vulnerability and it takes listening. So I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to get to know you. And then it's, it's also going to take, uh, you know, vulnerability. Like I'm willing to let myself be known. And I'm not just talking about surface level, but be known. Because before you can show someone how much you care, you need to know something about them to care about, right? Yeah. So the first layer in, in relationship building with my parents and, and the way that they've taught me is to know and be known. So be vulnerable, know and be known, but then also to care about what you know. Like, so when I learn something about someone, I let it actually sink in and I remember it and I maybe like, like let it change me in some way that where I care about what I've learned about this person. Um, I think that vulnerability bit is a huge thing, yeah. maybe more so today than ever before. Uh, I think that's one of my fears that I will let people see who I really am and they're not going to like it. Ooh. And so our temptation, my temptation is to keep some of those things hidden, covered. Uh, let's, let's be real. Like we're all really, really good at putting on fronts. Mm. And so you're saying, Seth, to truly care for someone means that you share some of those more intimate pieces of your life while you're getting to know some of those more intimate pieces of their life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's actually for most people really easy to listen to someone else's heart, yeah. but not very easy for them to share theirs. Wow. So, yeah. But, but, but I find, too, that I'm not really as willing to listen to someone else's heart unless they're willing to hear my heart. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm so much more willing to, to listen and have that exchange if they're saying, hey, Ryan, what, what, what's on your heart? What do you care about? What drives you? What impassions you? What makes you angry? What makes you sad? Um, yeah. I think different people, though, have a different hang-up with that. Some people, their hang-up is with sharing. And sometimes their people, their hang-up is with listening. You know, like it, it's a... 
most people have like lean like have an easier time doing one but a harder time doing the other yeah that's a good so, word that's a good but, word yeah uh, another thing that i learned from a mentor early on and i'm thankful that i learned this early on uh just the statement that nothing can replace your quiet time mm. uh, nothing can replace your time alone with god and, and it's just that thought that the god of the universe who put the sun moon stars in their place wants to spend time with us and nothing can replace that time as far as driving us and, and just really grounding us in the day. And I mean, that's, that's strong. As we've talked about, um, you know, the Word of God is the, the primary source for God speaking to us. And uh, the Spirit of God speaks through the Word of God, so we need to be in it. And, and yet it's so easy for us to try to replace our time with God, our quiet time, because there's something that seems more pressing in the mornings. Yep. Or we think that making a list for our day might make more sense than spending time with God. Wow. Um, so. Yeah, I'm really bad about making that list for my day. Uh, I mean... Like I, you don't do it or you do it too no, often? No, I do it too often. <laughs> okay. Like, I tend to be a person who's task-driven. And so, yeah. man, there, there's too many things to get to immediately when my head wakes up. No. And so, I got to start checking them off. Man, absolutely. And, and what I can tell you is... What's made it easier for me but harder for me is the earlier I wake up, the more I'm able to focus towards towards God and to put my list off for an hour. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Be, but then again, I love, I'm a night owl. Oh, me and too. And so waking up early hurts me because mm. I don't want to go to bed earlier. Yeah. I don't want to be the man that goes to bed at 9.45. No, that's a wimp. Like, oh, gosh. It, that I'm so scared, but that's where I'm getting. I'm getting closer oh, and closer. So. That pains my heart to think I'm that sorry. that may lay in my future one day. It, it very well may. That I may be the old man that has to turn in at 9.45. <laughs> yeah, I know a few men like that. Yes, and I'm <laughs> uh, becoming one. Now, another thing that, uh, that I'm really thankful to have known yeah. is someone early on, as I was a young guy growing in opportunities and having the privilege to really lead some people, said, okay, Ryan, you cannot lead people to a place that you have never been personally. And that was so so good for me to hear because it reminded me, it was a just that flashing sign that said, all right, Ryan, you have to make sure to experience the things that you're speaking of. Mm-hmm. So... In Scripture, when I'm trying to lead people in Scripture, man, I need to experience what God's speaking to me so that I can lead other people in that. Um, and that comes in all facets of life. And then unless we've experienced something ourselves, we can never lead a person to that same place. It's so true because it is easy for us to want to, like, be false yeah. in leading people. Mm. And, uh, and, and really, if we're false in leading people, I mean, the question is, are we actually even able to teach them anything? Because I don't, I don't know. I think, I think, yes, it's impossible to lead people where we haven't been, but, um, there's also a lot that God can do in a person's life because we were genuine in front of people. Yeah. You know, so like maybe I'm not leading people to it. Let's say I'm someone that is struggled with substance abuse. Maybe I'm not leading people to, to, to healing and freedom, but I'm getting the process started. If, if at least I can stand up before them and say, Hey, I've struggled with this. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I don't know. But I think, I think leadership means acknowledging those things. Oh yeah. Uh, And, and people hand you leadership, you know, leadership is a gift that people give to you. Um, and oftentimes they don't hand you that privilege of leadership unless they say, this is a person I'm willing to follow because they have been and experienced things and are willing to share them with others. And 
you know, this might lead into our next, uh, my, my next lesson that I learned, but um, people don't follow, uh, people don't follow people that don't have values. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, w- even in the world, right? Like people are more apt to follow an honest person than a dishonest person. Um, and so one lesson that, that I learned is, is that our, our priorities should always reflect our values. Mm. Um, so an example of that is, when I was young, I was a baseball player, uh, and I was a pretty good baseball player. Uh, I was asked to be on, you know, traveling teams and spend a lot of hours on the on the road and weekends on the road. And uh, I was asked to be the bat boy on a traveling team once. Oh wow! Yeah, kind of embarrassing. That's the kind of thing you keep to yourself. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But maybe. Um, <laughs> so I'm on this travel b- baseball team and. My dad had a rule that we were going to be at church on Sundays, right? Well, this travel team wanted me to play with them, but they they said, "Hey, if Seth can't play on Sundays, we don't want him on our team." Mm. And so I had to I had to leave that team and play on a team that wasn't nearly as good, just because uh, they they were fine with me being there for Friday Saturday. But my dad's rule was we go to church as a family on Sunday, and uh, and you know looking back, I hated that. You mm. know that was awful. Yeah, but. But now as a grown man, I look back and I'm like, hey, my dad's values were reflected in the decisions that he made. Hmm. And uh, and how many times do we know people who maybe uh, put off going to church for one reason or another, even though they're going to say, man, church matters, it's important. But yet we keep making other decisions that, that come before church. And uh, it's just, it just, if we will let our decisions reflect our values, I, I really think that we will have a better gauge on, uh, you know, maybe where we're at in our walk with Jesus, or maybe people will follow us as leaders. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's a good reminder that we need to identify our values. As young leaders, we need to know the things that we value. Because if you don't, if you don't have a clear understanding of your values, then you'll never be able to lead with clarity and conviction. And, and I, I think you said something early on, Seth. You said, hey, people follow honest people much more so than dishonest people. And and that may not be true always in the short term, yeah. but it is absolutely true in the long term. Absolutely. You know, I, I even know at points in my life where I've said, man, this guy's cool. He's doing some great stuff. This, this lady's got it going. But then the values of their life come to bear ultimately after a season and then you're like oh actually never mind no i mean so people people that lack character can lead for a moment but when when they fight when they're squeezed when when hard times come people without character will always fold or run Mm. and uh and and it's just you know people don't follow that person you know um, so we need to wrap yeah. things up here yeah. pretty soon. Uh, but but thinking about mentors, uh, if you're looking for a mentor and you don't have one, how, what's a what's a way that someone could identify and locate a mentor to kind of walk with them through life? I would look for uh, more so than someone that can just identify with where I'm at in life. I would look for the godliest person with age that I know. Yeah. So maybe it's you know a professor at your university. Maybe it's a teacher at your school. Maybe. Uh, that that are Christians, like I said, the godliest person. Um, maybe it's you know an aunt or an uncle, but maybe it's a teacher, a Sunday school teacher at church, or your youth minister, or your youth minister's wife. Um, but I would just find I would I would I think rather than experience, um, character matters more. 
Wow. You know, that's going to translate to no matter what you do with your life. Mm -hmm. Even if they're, you know, a a teacher at the high school and you want to be a physicist, they will teach you things about godliness and character that will last you your whole life. Yeah. um, No matter what your future looks like. My advice would be twofold. Number one, look for the people that are already investing in you, even if in a small capacity, Mm -hmm. because if they're willing to invest in you now, man, they would love most likely to take on a more formal role in that. And then secondly, Make sure that anytime people are investing in you, you're turning around and reinvesting in someone else as best you can. It doesn't have to be a formal thing, but uh, and the value of mentors has definitely played a role in my life, Seth's life, and and can play a crucial and decisive role in your life too. That's right. Well, um, we want to finish with this. Uh, we want to invite you to an, an amazing event called Lead Defend. It is on February the 29th. Leap day. Leap day. 2020. We have some incredible speakers, and we want to invite you to come be a part of it. We've got a formal invitation coming up right after this. The Lead Defend Conference 2020 is right around the corner, and you won't want to miss out on this experience to grow in Christ in leadership and in apologetics. Come hear empowering speakers like Mary Jo Shepherd and Robbie Zacharias on how you can defend your faith and lead others in Christ's likeness. So join us at the Emmanuel Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The cost at registration is $30, but that changes after February the 17th to $35. Visit www.leaddefend.org to register or to learn more details. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.